right now, Matt Flynn could have been preparing for a new season back in the SPFL with Kelty Hearts. But the promotion door from the Lowland League was slammed shut during lockdown. Matt joins us on this week's show. We'll hear his thoughts on that controversy and how Barry Ferguson's men are back to do it all over again. That title win was the latest high on a successful career in the lower leagues. But as a kid, Matt came through the ranks at Dundee United. Back then, he was as highly rated as his midfield partner, Scott Allen. We'll hear how they're still best pals today and how he dealt with knowing he wouldn't be a full-time footballer. We'll talk about how he's rebuilt his career and his life since that day with other spells of the likes of Brecon, Stenhouse Muir, Annan, Clyde, Caledonian Braves and East Sterling. And we're doing it all with a special guest co-host this week. It's all here on Down the Divisions. Thanks for joining us for another 60 minutes or so looking at the lower leagues. Paul is away this week, but we've managed to fill his hot seat with a more than able substitute. Every director of football, Stuart Miller, was a guest on episode three back in April and is with me tonight. Stuart, uh, good to have you back. Uh, you ready to handle the pressure of filling such big shoes you pull away? Yes, I am, Gareth, and thank you for asking me. Uh, my name's synonymous with the, 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 the description substitute, so I'm quite happy with that. But you said big shoes to fill and probably even bigger trousers to fill. <laughs> <laughs> but that's enough about Paul. <laughs> I mean, a, a lot's a lot's happened since you were on back in April. Is it? Um, I mean, I, I take it you guys at Edwin now are all back training. We're all back training. Yeah, we start at week past Saturday, Gareth. So it's been Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, previous week, and obviously Tuesday this week. Uh, so no, everything's good. We're very fortunate that we've got the facilities at Airdrie Stadium, uh, the Pennycar Stadium, uh, which, again, I know a number of other clubs have not quite got that privilege. But, you know, we we are delighted to be back. The players are looking fat. And I must admit, I'm really enjoying watching the training. Good stuff. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that a bit more when we speak to Matt in a moment. We also want to hear you, the listener, uh, and, and what you think, and we want you, the listener, to get involved too. You can email us with your thoughts and comments at downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. This is Des Roach, ex-referee, Cabernet Leadside Assistant Manager, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Kelty Hearts midfielder Matt Flynn is our guest this week. Matt, good to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to see you. We'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. Each week, we give four clues for a particular year. It's two each between me and Paul at the moment, so you're flying the flag for Paul tonight, Stuart, uh, and we'll get you involved in this as well, Matt. So this week, we're looking for the year when... Don't you go getting... Are you getting Google up, Stuart? What's Google got <laughs> uh, We're looking for the year when Edinburgh City won the East of Scotland League for the first time. The BBC announced their Saturday sports show grandstand was stopping. Steve McLaren was announced as England's new manager. And Hogmanay celebrations in Glasgow and Edinburgh were cancelled because of bad weather. Oh... 
I don't want to let Paul down, Gareth, so I'll try my very best. Uh, Steve McLaren. Obviously, didn't last too long, that appointment, right enough. And I think he lost at Wembley, and that was, he was described as the brawly, uh, what was it, the an umbrella? The, the he was looking for the Wally with the brawly, Stuart. We're just looking for the year, not, not a description of, of each clue. Okay, thanks, Gareth. I was playing for time, but thanks very much anyway for your kind words. <laughs> uh, I would guess, I think it's. 2000 and something, so we'll go 2008. 2008. Matt, what do you reckon? I was going to go a wee bit off that. I was going to go around about, I would have to think, I, was, I think I was in holiday, 2005 I would go. 2005, 2004. Mm, oh, how many goes do you want, Matt, here? Uh, I know, I'll go my lucky number, I'll go 2005. 2005, right, well, we'll give out the answer at the end of the show. I'm Adam Hopes, co-manager of Drumchapel United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Kelty midfielder Matt Flynn is with us this week. Uh, Matt, it's fair to say it's been a dramatic summer for you, I suppose. Um, Kelty didn't go up. You've got a young daughter to look after. But right now, I'm more concerned with the fact that you're sitting on a deck chair in your house right now. (laughs) What's happened? (laughs) <laughs> well, I've actually bought a new house. We're in the we're, we're moving soon. We're meant to be moving in July, but then COVID hit, so the full development in the boat has been pushed back. So I'm looking to be in end of October, um, and my wife's just started selling everything from, from the house. So the sofa went yesterday, and now I've had to borrow two. What do you even call these? These are like these wee fishing chairs. So now I'm actually sitting two wee fishing chairs from the in-laws, and that's basically what we've got. <laughs> so my wife is feeding my baby girl there this day and now I'm doing this interview with you on a fishing chair in the middle of my living room so that's why it sounds a bit echoey because there's nothing left in it apart from a TV and a stand <laughs> uh, I mean I, I mentioned uh, mentioned Kelty going up a few weeks have kind of gone by now or did it still rank it, it, it didn't go the way or you didn't at least get a chance to you know, play in a playoff after after being given you know the title after winning the title well, that's just not even had the title. Um, I think even once it happened, everyone was prepared, and you know I'll get on to him later on. But Barry Fergus is so professional. He, he once the season stopped, once COVID hit, and the season actually stopped, he has been in constant touch. I mean, the club and the way he organised things at the best of things, but he was in constant touch every week, giving us step by step, step by step, and he was always preparing for the worst. Right, if we don't go up, if we don't get this chance, we need to make sure we are prepared the best way possible. If we're going to be in a playoff game, let's be, make sure we're prepared for that. If not, then we'll need to prepare for going to do it again all next year. So it's basically just been constant correspondence. And obviously, hurt all the boys a lot. But again, we've just been in constant communication with the club. And we've kind of knew every step by step. It's just also a frustrating time with what happened. But we're back in now. And it's just what's happened's happened. You know, it just have to go on with it. You can't dwell on it. The club have done everything they can. Um, I'm sure it was pushed by other clubs and the clubs are hanging in there to the very end, but there's nothing that you can do. You just need to go and prepare as best we can to go and do it again. Was was there a anger at the time when it was when that kind of opportunity was taken away from you? Well, see, it was that it was that bizarre that nobody could it, like also this has never happened. It was just that bizarre that everyone was just like it was like testing your pals every day saying, What do you think is gonna happen? What, what are we gonna do? Are we going it was just like 
it was just it was just a, such a bizarre bizarre situation. You know, you're having your end of the team, um, your end of the year um, award night over a Zoom call, and basically everybody was talking about that. We've still got a chance. We may still have the opportunity. And then when it was when it was taken away, obviously Kelly announced a statement, and the chairman phoned around along with the gaffer, basically asking how everybody's doing. It was just basically a case. Yes, it's hurtful, but there's nothing there's nothing we can do. If you can't hold it, you just need to let it go. We just need to move on. That that is all it is. And of course, there's a bit of anger, but. It's out with your hands, you know. Did you get uh, the trophy, Matt? Uh, did you get a medal? Or? No, I've not had it yet. I think I don't know if the, I don't know what way it's getting presented, but I think it might be actually getting hold to maybe some fans can be along yeah. or some, you know, some share it with the fans and share it with maybe some family members. Um, so I don't know if that's the case. Why we're still not had it yet? I don't know if that's going to be part of the club and maybe. Um, the little league, but no, we're still not had a trophy or any medals yet. But I do think I think the boys are in the mentality. Well, I don't know if I can speak for them all, but I think we're in the mentality like, okay, it's done on paper, we're champions, but we've not had any actual awards for it. So are we really champions? Let's just go and do it again. It, it just seems as though, as Gareth said, you've been robbed of the opportunity now. You know, nobody knows if you were going to beat Brora, nobody knows if you were going to beat Brecon or anything like that, but not to get the opportunity. Uh, and I know the guys very well at Kelty, especially Dean McKenzie. Uh, I sold Cammy Russell there a year ago, uh, so we've had dialogue probably for the past year. Uh, we were very much in favour of the Airdrie's a club, the, the, the Highland League team, uh, be it Barora, yourselves coming into the league. I mean, we would have extended it, and that's what we our proposal was, to, to get you in the league. Uh, we, we feel... At Airdrie, we, we feel very aggrieved as well because we were in a promotion playoff place. Yeah. Uh, we actually thought we could catch Wraith yeah, uh, because yeah. we'd still to play them, we'd still to play Falkirk. Now, uh, I've been in the game long enough to know that that could go the other way and we could have got knocked out of the playoffs. But it just you feel a bit unjust that, that, that an opportunity has been taken away from you. Uh, especially yourselves, because you're actually trying to get in uh, to, to to senior football. You know, no disrespect to the Lowland League, uh, but as I said, we felt really aggrieved, as as would the teams in the Championship that are trying to get into the Premier League and the teams in League Two, like the Edinburgh Cities of this world. Uh, it just was such unusual circumstances that sometimes you had to say, well, listen, this. Uh, this has never happened before. Let's go on with it, and you go and try and, and win it again. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's and that's the, that's the plan, obviously. But when it's 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 not just the players. It's when you when you go into a club like that and you see how much, as you were saying there, like how much Dean the gaffer puts into it. What's happened behind the team, behind the scenes? How professional they make things, even right down to your kit, your equipment, what you've got, the way the clubs are moving in the direction. For that to get taken away from all of them, I mean, it's not just the fact that Dean um, and everybody put a lot of investment in that club, as you could see with the signings, etc. They, yeah. they, they, they signed those players to do a job, and they did the job. Now, the, we, we're getting that opportunity stripped away from us. You've now gave the other teams a massive chance to then go, right, let's have a new dabble, so, a new dabble at this. So now you've got strength in like East Kilbrides. You've got Shires then picking up. You've got a lot of investment back in the league, which makes it even more difficult. Aye, but obviously, Scott Bride. I'm, I'm sorry, Gareth, if I'm going on here, but obviously, Scott Bride. 
have strengthened quite considerably. Obviously, a change of manager, Stephen Aitken, who I know very well, uh, naturally was uh, was at Stranraer when I was there with Neil Watt, uh, and I worked under him at Dumbarton as head of recruitment. So Stephen's obviously been given the resources by the Keane brothers to to go and and try and fulfil their dreams of getting in. To, to League Two, but if you look at it, Kelty, who I believe he signed Jamie Stevenson today, uh, you know, another quality signing, another player that's played uh, in, in, in the leagues for a number of years, but you, you look at Bonnie Reich, uh, who maybe don't get the, the praise or the high profile of yourselves or East Bride. you look at East Sterling signing the likes of Greg Wilde and such like, uh, you know, there's a number of clubs, BSC, Swift and, and Fraser right there, and BSC have done superbly well over the last few years un, under uh, Stephen Swift. It's going to be such a competitive league. Uh, and as you know, Matt, sometimes you only get one crack at it, you know? So. Yeah, there's no very many teams that won back-to-back titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's something that we'll be making sure we try. Um but again, as, as just touching up there, the strength of the teams now, again, even the strength of the teams last year, that was a big hurdle itself. And, I, and the way the season ended proved, proved that. I mean, Bonnie Rigg were neck and neck all the way. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did we, we did beat them to the end, of the, at the end of the season, but you're neck and neck all the way. So that's how close it actually was. And you, you, you won the league by, yes, we were, we were ahead. Also, we had a game in the hat. We had a game extra. But that's how close it is, and that's how fine the margins are. So to go and do it again, I think it would even be an even bigger achievement, you know? Yep. You, you mentioned your manager earlier on there, Barry Ferguson. Maybe elaborate a bit, bit on what you said about his professionalism. How, how have you found working under him as he lived up to the expectation, you know, in signing for him? Tell us a bit more about him. Yeah, well, this is the second time I've signed for him now. I'm also leaving <laughs> Annan to go to Clyde, so... Like, it's a cliche thing to say, but growing up as a Rangers fan, you, you grow up and you watch these players, it's the cliche thing, everybody's got to say, like, Barry Ferguson, he was also somebody you looked up to, because let's be honest, he was one of the best midfielders in Scotland, if not yeah. in, in the UK, let's be honest, there's, there's no Celtic Rangers fan that would tell you that's not a fact, he controlled midfield games, which something doesn't even happen in the game of football now, you know, he actually controlled the midfield, so even getting a chance to go and play under him to see how he, he does things, and what, what, what actually viewpoints he's got in football it's just like it's it, it was great signing for him again nothing changes with him his professionalism he's like he's he's so he's his attention to detail and things is just like second to none second to none it doesn't matter if you're doing a warm up doesn't matter if you're doing a light passing drill some fast feet he is on you you're doing that drill at the most highest impact that you could do that you know you get some drills where you go and you just go through the motions etc you don't get to do that with Barry Ferguson. He is pushing you through. It doesn't matter if it's a passing draw, an Ajax passing draw around the box. He is on you. So your touch has to be perfect. Your, your, your sprint at the end has to be perfect. Everything, your technique has to be perfect. And then just make sure you're working hard. So I think all, all his training sessions, I'm sure, are timed by 90 minutes. And he wants you full impact um, the way it goes. And he's high on recovery. Um, equipment, training kit, detailing your training kit. Um, pods, he's got, he's got everything. He's got everything, and he makes sure he's got it. Because I think as a player, you, know, you, you got the impression, or people would talk about how he was a, a moaner as a player 
because he wanted the standard so high as as he as he carried that with him as a manager. <laughs> that doesn't change. <laughs> that does not change. <laughs> he would moan at anything. I think he was even. I think yesterday at training, I think um, he's getting his uh, management room outside at a bit of cadding on his management room outside. I think he was even moaning about that to Dean. <laughs> so I think he's like, mm. things not even finished yet. Come on, what's going on here? He's just like, he's just like so demanding and like, he, he, he does moan about everything, but he just, he just wants the standards so high. Like, you, like as I said, you don't, you don't get to, you don't get to relax. He, he, he wants you to enjoy your football, but he wants you to make sure you're doing it at the highest level you can and the highest. He just wants you to make sure when you're in training, you are working at your highest capacity possible. And he's fair. He is fair. He's the type of manager as well where, he, like, if, if he's pushed you to the max and you say, Gaff, he, you might actually want to, he's one of those managers as well, like, you want to play, if you've got a wee niggle, you want to keep going. You want to keep going. He, he puts that drive into you, but he's fair as well. If you were to turn around and say, Gaff, I'll buy the way, let him. I think I pushed myself a bit too much on Tuesday. I'm feeling my, I'm feeling my hammy a wee bit. He'd be like, right, you're going to be doing a, a spin session, but he's got rules around everything. So like, if you don't, if you're not in contact with him 24 hours before training, etc., then he'll he'll lay the law down. So there's no fines in place. He's always got a fine, fine system in place where it's like just all about standards. And that's what he says. It's good that he's got such a calm figure and Bob Malcolm then is his assistant. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big, it's a big Bob. It's a big Bob. Just like. But Bob, he always laughs. He always, he actually always says to both, "Come on, someday I'll speak up." But Big Bob just, he kind of got a fucking word in with you, man. <laughs> so Big Bob, Big Bob, you know what he's like. He's just, he's just. Big Bob is actually very calm. But as you know, you just don't want to go in the ranks either, Big Bob either, you know. <laughs> it's the professionalism that both will bring. You know, the standards that they've been used to, Matt, throughout the years. Uh, I know Barry, obviously, is, again, as a former Clyde manager as well, uh, Barry tried to implement these pro- this professionalism into clubs. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, you've got to have people to buy into it, i.e. the players and the board of directors. And if they're not buying into it, I'm not saying it wasn't a success. I'm, I'm not implying that. But I don't think that Barry uh, achieved the success that he would have hoped for because, you know, certainly I never, you know, but but again, ugh, there was plenty of reasons for that and I'm sure Barry had plenty of reasons why it didn't happen, although they were up there challenging kind of, you know, a couple of times, but never quite got there. Uh, sometimes clubs are a good fit for you and it just seems that Kelty's a good fit for, for, for Barry uh, and yourself even. Um, people see the management team as just us sitting in a dugout I think the management team comes from just exactly what you're saying from like your Dean it starts from Dean mm-hmm. he has to have the good, good relationship with the gaffer and that will echo right through the whole team you know you can sense it when there's good vibes when the, when the, the manager gets on with the chairman or chief executive whatever you want to call it um, I've got a good relationship it does ripple right through the team and Dean's very much hands on as well he's around all the boys you can mm-hmm. approach Dean you can phone Dean um, once you've got a relationship with that, I think that team will always be successful. What you're looking for is support. You know, these guys give you the support, give you the tools to go and do the job. You know, I remember a board meeting at Clyde, and the first thing they said to me was, uh, obviously, we'll try and help you any way we can, but apart from the obvious. And I said, what's the obvious? Uh, with no money. <laughs> well, I said, apart from the obvious, 
už not in a canashki zen. That's right, and it was interesting watching uh, Danny Lennon, who have a lot of time for him and Alan Moore at Clyde, uh, taking their first training session on Broadwood, you know, on the pitch. I, I went to take a session on the pitch, and I've got people running after me saying, you can't use the pitch, that's one of our lets away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> with, with North Lanarkshire Leisure, so uh, listen, change days, change days. And what about the, uh, I mean, we, we've mentioned about the players, the calibre of players in that squad, you know, your Scobies, your Paddy Boyles, your Thomas Riley's, your Michael Tidzers, Callum Higginbottom now, Nathan Austin, you know, talking about the money that was spent out to bring them in, yourself included as well. I mean, guys who, um, some of you, you know, guys in your 30s, late 20s, you know, you, you've gone there for a reason, and the reason, I guess, was was to be playing in the SPFL this this season as well. So, is is that a frustration as well that you're not getting that opportunity, uh, particularly at your time of your career now that you know where, where you want to be playing as as high as you can for however, however many years you've got left. Exactly, and some people just some people are actually great players, but they never ever really win anything. So even to go there um, at my level where I see myself, it was to to win something as well. That's why I left the Shire to also go to. Kelly Hearts was to I seen they were challenging for the league. They had a good chance of winning the league, but it, it still wasn't over the line. So for a chance to go and challenge for a title was a big a, a big difference, um, a big change for me as well. So it's something that we actually did do. Let's be honest. It's, if you ask any player in that dressing room, is it the way they want to do it? No. But does that game at the end where, when you play actually Bonnerig, does it prove something? Because we did beat them, and I think. Apart from the last 10 minutes of that game, Bonnie Rigg were probably the better team, but we, we did the job and beat them when we played them head-to-head. So does that merit a title then, maybe? maybe. But <laughs> we, we all went there in the, the ambition to help the club progress. That's what we actually did. But did we get the opportunity as we spoke at the start? No, we didn't. So it's about doing it again. And you mentioned that you're, you're back training. What's that been like? I mean, how long have you, have you been back? And... I mean, especially now, we've had these latest updates this week, the latest lockdowns in Glasgow, East Renfrewshire, Renfrewshire, Eastern Bartonshire, Western Bartonshire. What do you think about this? Is, is football, is, is football going to come back next month? Or? Well, um, we were back um, last... This is back. This, this will be our second week. We're in our second week back now. And again, just touching on professionalism again, it's basically you drive your car up, um, you park it, you don't come out until the kit man comes out with a the stencil for your, um, your um, what's it called? Jesus Christ. Temperature <laughs> <tester>. <laughs> so you're getting your temperature checked um, and then you're going to sit in your car the first night back when we're getting our kit, etc. We've got all our kit, we had to get changed of our car. Then you're walking up to the stand and then you're basically just gathered around. Again, it's not ideal, but it's it, it's better than something that you're back in the training pitch with the boys, you know. And then like even, I think the rule is like when you're idling, etc. So if you finish a draw, your bottles have to be two metres apart, so when you're idling in between drills, etc., you can't be like in groups, of, in, in big groups or anything like that. You need to try and keep your distance as best you can. Um, but again, it's, it's, just, it's just a bit bizarre, you know, because you're training, but then you can't be. A, a, it's it's a bit bizarre. It is really, really bizarre. But again, it's better than sitting in the house and it's mm. good to be around the boys again playing football. Mm-hmm. As Matt said, uh, Gareth, that, that's the protocol to get us back to training. Uh, the temperature testing as you go through the gate, you've not to leave your car uh, while you're temperature tested. Uh, you're allocated a parking space, which is 
two cars width away from the next one. Uh, you've got a one-way system in and out of the stadium. Uh, you've got to, to, to wear your own gear, well, your training gear. Uh, you can't use the changing rooms, the showers. Uh, the water bottles have all got to be marked up, uh, your squad number or whatever it may be. Uh, very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. The, the kit man is the only one that can put the equipment out. He sprays all the balls and all the gear, uh, and he he's the only one that can bring it back in. And once again, he sprays it all again. Uh, our pitch is disinfected uh, before we start. The protocols in place for all clubs, to be honest, and I think we're we're all following them. Uh, we don't want. Uh, football stopped. In fact, Adrianians are due to go and play Celtic a week on Saturday. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, Matt. Well, there was a few list of teams that was a possibility of playing, but nothing was concrete yet. So, we've applied for the game along with Celtic, and it's been accepted. I know, obviously, there's indications today that that possibly you can only play a team from your region as such, uh, but. Yeah. But as I said, it's been accepted, this particular game uh, from the Lowland League and the SPFL. Uh, so hopefully it can go ahead. That would be our first game a week on Saturday uh, up at Kelty. And, you know, not just good to get a game at football. It'll be certainly be a, a, a test for Adrianians. And I'm sure, I mean, you mentioned a string of names here, Gareth. I probably tried to sign three or four of them last summer uh, and, and they chose to go to Kelty. Uh, obviously, Barry Ferguson was the attraction uh, and, and the, the ambition of, of Kelty as a club. Uh, but, you know, we, 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 we certainly hope the game goes ahead uh, up at Kelty and, and we would look forward to that. Well, what was it like going back to training, Matt? I mean, did you feel comfortable doing it, you know, and was did it take time to get back into it? Number one, having been away from it for so long, but number two, also being totally aware of, of what we're living in right now? It's just like, I think everybody's just buzzing to be back around the boys, you know, like just like even the, the, the chat, and the, it's, that, it's that human interaction, you know, like like I think when you grow up playing football, I mean, you you know loads of players that finish it, that all they do is talk about the dressing room, so even getting in and seeing the boys, it's a big party, you know, they become they become really close friends and you get a bit of banter and you're still getting to know everybody really as well, you know, and like, just like, it was, there was nothing strange, just, also as I mentioned at the start and just as, uh, and just as Stuart touched up on there regarding the, the, the protocols going in, but that was the only kind of bizarre thing, you know, once you're back in that pitch, yeah, it's just, it's just back to normal, you know, and then the way out, like just the fact that you can't get a shower after training now is a bit bizarre enough. Yeah. Another thing touching off, you've got a bib, if you're wearing a bib in training, you need to take that home and wash that as well. So you're allocated to the bib. I had to get a few transfers. I had to t- uh, try and get a transfer out. Tam, Tam really liked my team on the first night, so <laughs> I was in the yellow <laughs> bibs with him. <laughs> but no, but no, it's just, it's just going, going back to see all the boys, it's just that, that it, once you're on the football pitch, it's just back to normal. Well, I'm Stevie Farrell, manager of Sunra, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Mark Wilson has appointed former Celtic midfielder Simon Donnelly as his assistant at Brecon. Dumbarton have brought in Hibbs goalie Kevin Dabrowski on loan for the season. Ashfield have brought in midfielder Martin Boyce. He's had spells at East Kilbride, Camlan and Airdrie. Johnston Borough have confirmed Martin Sinclair has left the club by mutual consent. 
And we mentioned this might be happening on the show a couple of weeks back. Scottish comic writer Mark Miller, who's worked with Marvel and Netflix, has got involved at Albion Rovers. He's not pumped money directly into his local club. Instead, he's helped come up with the artificial intelligence-style pixel-op camera system, which will allow lower league clubs to broadcast their games when their seasons start. Mark has also paid for the camera set up at Clifton Hill for the next three years. Stuart, I know other clubs are getting involved with that. Um, have you got it? Yes, we have, Gareth. Uh, we've got the picture lot system. We were actually trying it out at training last night. Uh, very, very expensive. Uh, I don't know the exact figures, uh, but you've got all the add-ons as well, you know, apart from the initial kind of robot, they call it. Uh, it's it's ideal for the, the, the online games. Uh, that That's what we'll be using it for. Uh, and no, I think it's... I think it's an investment that a number of clubs uh, are doing just now. Hi, I'm Craig Menzies, the Afton Athletic captain, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Which brings us to Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Right, Matt, uh, who was your idol as a boy? Um, go Brian Loudrop. I used to love, I love growing up watching Brian Loudrop. Um, as you know, as a Rangers fan, you just can't. You don't really, you do, you don't really look past um, the the Scottish game at that point in time. So it's all, it's all, all also only Rangers v Celtic. So I was also a Rangers man, and my hero was Brian Loudrop. Just loved the way he played. <laughs> You've mentioned that a couple of times, Matt, but being a Rangers man. <laughs> I thought you'd have seen my Union Jack in the background, no? Like no, did, did, no, I know who your uh, agent is, so it's really no surprise <laughs> what team so... you followed. Who is, or who is, or who was the toughest opponent you faced? Um, I, I don't, I'm going to say he was the toughest opponent I faced because what I used to do, it was when I was younger and I used to play up a few years or some reserve games. And it was Aidan McGeady, Aidan McGeady, but yeah. I, di- I didn't ever play against him because I was clever. As soon as he got the, the ball, I just used to cover into space and just let somebody else get one and one, you know. <laughs> so I would always say, like, when you cover against McGeady, he was always the eyes, listen, it, where he's went his career, what he was, what he used to do as a young boy was just like incredible. And I was a wee bit behind him, etc. Obviously age-wise, but when I played up those in those levels at the reserve games, etc., I just used to kind of. When he touched the ball, cover the space <laughs> and let somebody else go and take him one and one. What's the favourite football top you've worn and why? I, I, I wouldn't say, I've not really got a favourite football top. I mean, when you play down the divisions, you've not got really the best of kits to wear, you know what I mean? I wish it was like that. I like my clobber as well, but um, some of the kits down the divisions are absolutely rascals. Uh, but, but I would say the most memorable top, just because of how bad it was, was my first season back at Annan. I think the top, the top we played on. If you actually Google this, you see this. Like, I think when the SPFL came out, like even the badges, etc. It was like we had the old iron brew, iron brew badges, etc. It was like for about four seasons ago, and we were all like, "What is going on with us kids?" Like a triple XL, etc. And we got to the semi-finals of that Ram, you know, the Ramstein's Cup, which is the Petrofac, yeah. whatever it was at the time. Um, and we're sitting there, and like you know, like Rafe Rovers are sat there, all out with a nice tight Puma kits, and we're showing up in a triple XL Stano horrendous kit but it was just funny because it's that bad that's my most memorable mm. kit wearing as a player <laughs> but that was it shocker brilliant um, who's the best player you've played with oh, I played with I think I would always played actually with in team like obviously you've got a lot of players like Donated who are 
couple of years younger than me, etc. But I actually played with and controlled with that. I've always got a lot of time for Goodwillie. I think, I think David Goodwillie was one of the best players. Like he was, he was unbelievable. Like even just as a young kid, like I remember playing like in a reserve game with him against we were away to Easter Road and we played against Hibs and Caldwell was injured that week. We came back to get fit in reserves and Goodwillie played directly against him and it was like. Like you could not believe what Goodwillie did to him this day. It was like through him a bit like a rag doll. You, everybody knows how strong Goodwillie is, etc. Himself, but he's just like even when he was 16, 17, he was an absolute animal. Could score for anywhere. Could make could make a bad ball into a good ball. He just had everything, and you just knew he was going to go as a Scottish Scotland international, etc. Um, and where he was also carry away to him going to the Premier League for a big fee, etc. You could just tell he was just always going to be one of those players. So I don't, I don't, I would probably say Goodwillie. So you maybe not quite as good a par with Scott Allen as I thought you were then. Uh, anyway, uh... <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually play with him. No, I mean he was a younger kid. He was a young boy. I took him under his wing and I taught him everything he knew. <laughs> uh, and uh, what's the best practical joke you've seen played? Again, back to the again. I've got this one for an ex play. You know, Big Mick O'Burn. You remember Big Mick, didn't you? Do you know Big Mick O'Burn? Yeah, yeah, I know. I I, I tried to take him to Clyde from Albion Rovers. Aye, so I'm back. Uh, Mm-hmm. I've got an absolute cracker about Big Mick. So basically, we were we were uh, obviously a lot younger than the United days, and the both of us were injured. I had broke my my foot. He was injured, and Grant Brebner was injured. And uh, we used to the injured players used to used to get changed at the stadium at this time. And the the, the minibus would come. The first team would go and train. Youth team would go and train, etc. But the injured boys would go up to they would tie in with Jeff Carton. They would go up to the next generation gym. So Grant Brebner had last like, week this Mercedes, and he's that right boys just coming me. So it was like I was in the back. Uh, Michael Burns in the, in the front and we're going up to Next Generation Gym and Grant Brenner said to Michael Burns, he said, look, you need to go in and get my boots, my boots. I've left my predies at my mate's house. He's like, I need not at all. So also being a young boy, you're just gullible, you're doing anything a first team player tells you to do, you, you know it's like you're doing it. So we, we drive up and Grant Brenner, very, very uh, dry humour, etc. He just sits up and says, what, Jess? Big Mick, just up that one, number five, or whatever it was. Mick jumped out of the car, goes away up. He's at his wife will answer so big mix, wet behind the ears, he goes up, oh, how are you doing? I come in, lady just lets him in, five minutes later, he's grabbing grab Rebner's in the front of the car, peeing himself, he, big Mick just comes back at the door, red face, jumps back in the wall, you're fucking funny, he'd set him to a brothel, he, big Mick went in asking for Grant Rebner's predator bits, <laughs> big Mick came out, red draw, he's actually went to a brothel in Dundee, he set him up for his predator bits, he actually said when he came back in, the last he's asked me what do I want, and I've asked for predator bits, <laughs> so I had to get back in, and then that was us, I'll be up to the gym, but just subtle, just a wee, one I actually witnessed, so you don't witness a lot. <laughs> Brilliant. Hi, Stephen Aitken, East Coast Bayern Manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. So we've talked about the present day, uh, Matt. I mean, looking back over your career, I mentioned there at the start, you obviously started out, as you mentioned there as well, Dundee United. What do you remember about those days? How did that kind of move up there come about, being from Castle, Milk yourself, and, and tell us about how good Scott Allen was back then as well? Just basically anybody, you also play football on the street, you've got a lot of teams you go in and out to, um, and basically got picked up with Dundee United, um, trained as a youth team player all the time and then got offered a deal at the end of it, basically. People don't know, I actually had an opportunity to go to Rangers, um, something that probably haunts me back in my days. John Joyce, also the assistant manager, uh, um, Annan, who I, who I reconnected with, he actually had a, a deal on the table for me to go to Rangers, but I'd already been, worked my way through the youth ranks at Dundee United and probably... 
a bit naive or whatever else, but I, I, I turned around, I had good friends there, etc. So I took the deal at Dunedin. Looking back now, <laughs> I think I think my first my first few months when you see the boys out of town, they're on their three hundred fifty quid a week, and I can even get money for my train ticket back up to Dundee. You know what I mean? So you're like, oh, they're taking the wrong deal here. No, but the boys were all the boys at Dundee United because there was a lot of Glasgow boys and the Edinburgh boys, etc. They were all, it was great. You trained it made a whole new Wednesday night, um, and and again just working your way up those up those up those leagues. Were like Mark, as you mentioned earlier on as well, Mark Wilson, etc. All these players so always played at Dundee thinking. Like, this is one of these clubs you can actually maybe get a chance at. You know, they, they were bringing through a lot of young players, etc. But again, they had a lot of great players. Mm. Um, so again, I got offered a deal up there, took it, went up. Um, and again, just what you're touching on, like Scott, young kids at Scotty, like Graham Livingston was the, the 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 coach there, etc. Bringing all the players through, head of development. And he would, he would, he wasn't shy. Like if I was coming in doing well, he would put me up with the, the 16s, 17s, same what he did with Scotty. If Scotty was doing well, he'd bring him up with us. And he, he, he was, he wasn't scared in putting boys out of their comfort zone and putting them right in with the big ones. Um, so you, you had, you, you learnt fast, and there was a lot of big characters there. And uh, that, that, that was basically what you did every uh, week in, week out. Just, just again, just training, trying to make your way through, playing at different age groups. I actually played at under 13s and 14s. Um, Oh, um, when I was about what age was that? I'd have been under 13s, but I actually played 14s. It was something like the 13s played on a Saturday, 14s played on a Sunday. I remember it was a three halves, so I was always on the bench for the the the, the, the older team, etc. So once I get the deal up there again, that's 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 just basically how it happened in a nutshell. Just the old story, playing football, picked up for a club, and working your way through the ranks to try and get a professional contract. And that's that's what happened. And and how did it all kind of come to an end there? And how tough was it to sort of deal with the idea that? That uh, full-time football might not be the future for you. Devastating. I'd actually been doing, I'd actually been doing really well, and I'd broke my, I'd actually broke my ankle training with the first team very, very young. Um, so I recovered from that, and then actually worked myself back, back fit, playing every week, then getting first in the reserve, etc. And then I broke my foot against, I broke, broke my metatarsal bone against St Johnston um, at McDermott Park um, on the Astro next to it. Sorry. Um, and then I was kind of recovering back from an injury for there. And it was uh, Gordon Chisholm was the manager. And he, he had he had me in about the first team a, a, a lot. really liked this. Him and Dave Bowman, like, fought really highly off us. And I was getting plenty of opportunities there. And then just Chizzy got the sack. And basically, it was Craig Brewster came in. Um, and I just re- just recovered from I just recovered from that, that, that foot injury. Um, and I was back with the youth team, playing a lot of reserve games. And then when I played against Celtic Way, I fought. Well, Stevie Campbell actually thought I was going to be getting offered a new two-year contract, but then Craig Brewster took it off the table, and it just wasn't it wasn't to be. So just getting that news, thinking that I was I was confident as well, I was playing well, um, I was a I was a big character, and I was in my first year, etc. I wasn't really that loud. I was quite I was quite reserved. I was always quite naive, etc. I wasn't the loud man. Something that I, I wish I always would never to kind of just be a kind of yes man and just kind of go with things. But back then I was quite reserved. I, I had a lot of carry on with the boys, obviously, but. The deal would be taken off the table, and before I knew it, I was on the phone with my dad, basically saying, "Look, this isn't happening." So your head just just knowing the fact that you're not a football player, not not a full-time football player anymore, is just it's devastating. It's no listen. It's like you're losing your life because that's what you've put you've put everything in to be to get to that level, and then for it to get taken taken away for one decision, that's you. Just it's, it helps hurts you massively, you know. Just before we come on to what happened next, could, could you tell Scott Allen was somebody who was going to go on and, and make a name for himself? I know you mentioned David Goodworthy earlier there, but the fact that you obviously are so close to Scott, um, was, was, did he clearly have an ability there and he was going to go places? 
Oh, I mean, you could tell that when he was, when he, he was like, I think we were under, say we were under 15s, whatever. He was under, I don't know, 12s or something like that. Like really, really young, obviously. And he was training up and he was actually, in fact, I think, I think one time I was actually training with the older team and he was actually training with the same team and he's three, four years younger than me, you know? So like, he, and he, and he, 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 he would just pop the ball about like, like an adult, but I was kept doing crossing and finishing, doing like the, the Zola flick into the top corner, not this wee guy, just like, just like a touch of class. He played, like, you have some really technical players, but then when you actually look, look at him back today, and I, I don't think anyone would ever disagree with on Scotty, like, he actually looked like he should be playing in Spain. He looked like a Spanish player or something like that. He just had that extra bit of flair. He looked like a like a, a European footballer, you know, where he just had that class. The touches, he could, he could actually shift it onto both left and right feet. He's passing, he's, he's neat little touches, something that you didn't really see. A lot of football players in Scotland, we, kind of, we, we do sometimes dive in and get trained up and play like robots a wee bit, but he just had that extra wee bit of class that, and Graham Livingston was probably the best man for him because he'd never ever coached out of him. There were a lot of managers start coaching a lot of things out of the young kids. He was he Scotty was probably encouraged to do well, do this, do this, do this, do this, and keep keep the positivity. And I think that's what kicked on kicked him on. And listen, his ability speaks for itself, regardless of he was having a shocker, his his ability just his ability and technique and the way he just receives the ball. Even the biggest point that always goes unnoticed when he was when he was actually a young kid, like he, people forget like how a, how a real top quality player receives a football on the pitch. Scott Allen could receive a ball in a half turn, receive it blind. He just had that. He just had that, as I said, played like a European player at such a such a young age. And you just knew he was going to go and do what, he, what he's also done in the game, you know. Stuart, were you at, were you involved with West Brom when, when Scott Allen was down there? Scott Allen was there just as I was joining them, uh, probably the year before. It didn't work out for Scott Allen at West Brom for for various reasons. I think I think Scott Allen, as much as the talent that that Matt's talking about, and I totally agree with that. Scott Allen had just broke into the Dundee United team at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and probably went to England a wee bit too young. Scott Allen went from the first team at Dundee United to the under twenty three team at West Brom. And again, with the greatest of respect, uh, if I was a young kid, I would want to go and play 30, 40 games with United in the first team environment, not go to an under-23 team in England. I understand the reasons why I went. There were probably financial reasons, uh, and, and it was good good for the lad. But if you're in the first team training away, playing at Ibrox, Celtic Park and such like, and then you go down to England and you're involved in under-23s, nah, nah. You know, big, big mistake. Yes, your wallet may be more fuller, but, but at the end of the day, your, your football ability and your career is no really go, going to go in a kind of forward forward step, to be honest. That makes sense, what I'm saying there. And, 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 and I think that... That's what happened to Scott, and I think he got a wee bit fed up down at West Brom and naturally came back up the road again. But if he'd just stayed at United for another six months, even a season, and get more experience under his belt, then he would have went down to England as a first-team player, not an under-23 player. Yeah, I think, 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 I
uh, yeah, yeah, I think there was a lot. Obviously, he stayed, and he's probably mentioned this before plenty of times. His main goal was to stay and play full, uh, first team football at Dundee but I think a lot of things happened off the pitch. <coughs> Sorry, a lot of things happened off the pitch. Um, but for him to take that opportunity, I think he had a great chat with Hodgson, who, when he did go down there at the start, he was all, he was on the bench. He was getting little flashes here and there, and then obviously Hodgson gets the, the England job. So. That's the that's like it was a wee bit of bad luck there for him, but um, he, I mean he, when he went out on loan to Portsmouth, I think I don't know if a lot of people know this, but he, he was absolutely fantastic for Portsmouth, and then half of the Championship, the top end teams actually wanted to sign him, and I think that deal was near enough done with Crystal Palace, um, which I don't know. I think that kind of broke down with West Brom side of things, um, and then he's obviously went to MK Dons, which uh, which is probably a move that didn't suit him, and it's probably triggered how we end up having to come back up the road, you know? So I think just a couple of wrong decisions were made there. Is, are you, I take it you're still close today? You're still good good mates today? Speak a lot and uh, see each other a lot when you can? Absolutely. Can't get rid of him. Can't get rid of him. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> aye, aye, some boy. He's a good boy, man. He's a good boy. And 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 going back to leaving Dundee United, how did, how did you deal with all that? You know, because it's, it's obviously when things have been on, on an upward curve, for a dentist sort of suddenly... Hit the buffers. Was was that tough to deal with for you back then? And how did you deal with it? Um, when I left, it was basically um, everybody. <coughs> anybody that plays full time football, I think I think they all know. Like when it, when it stops, you, I still see this in young players now. Like when you when you come away from a full time club, you still act and think like you're a full time football player. I mean, there's no. There's no word about it. People kid on it. They, they don't get proud of themselves or whatever else, but. I mean, there's nothing better than working all your life or something. You do get a full-time contract and you, you do get that swagger. There's only a certain number of players who have got the, the mature head on who can kick off from that. But it's when you get put down, you get released or whatever, you still have that mentality on you that, no, no, I'm a football player. You're out the, you, you do actually go out, you've been released, you try and, try and cheer yourself up and maybe having a few drinks. You still think you're a football player and you're, in the reality is you're, you're absolutely nothing. You know, nobody, nobody knows you. You're nothing at all. You're getting a few trials here or there. You're trying to make games meet. Um, but then basically what happened was I was just it was just a case of like contacts or people phoning you up or people who highly, highly rated you etc right where are you going Ross from in, in my opinion it was a uh, Ross County Ross County want to have a look at you <coughs> so I went away up to, to Ross County and actually ended up there for a few weeks at Dingwall and they had a good squad it was myself and uh, Gary McKay Stephen it was in um, and, we, and we played up there again um, and I did actually get offered a, offered a one year contract but this, the money, etc. It was, it was, it was just very, very low. And it was just like the travelling away up there, staying up there. Maybe if I did say like, no, what, I just need to buckle down. But I just, I just did not have that mature head on me. Um, and I ended up getting in touch with Paddy Conley, who got me into, took me into Breakin and had a look at me at Breakin, um, and, and that's basically where I went. So it was coming from full time at United and then going part time and trying to figure out like, why is everything a bit different now? So that you never, you never really see like full time. And I had never really went out and loan anywhere. So I didn't even know what real man's football really looked like. I played reserves at a good, decent level against Celtic Rangers, etc. But there's nothing that can compare you for, for man's football. So I went for Dundee United and then going to break in the, the Glebe. And I, and, I, and I absolutely loved it. You know, Michael O'Neill was a manager. He, he, he liked me, highly rated me. And he was just going like, to get opportunities here. And basically, that's that's what I did. And played a se- I played a season there um, on and off. I was also very young, etc. I played a season there. I played actually a lot of games there under him. Um, another, it was another, it was another great opportunity, and plus we, had, they also had a good team who were actually challenging that strong Morton team at the time. 
Um, I think they actually got put out in the playoffs against Airdrie. I think Airdrie was it beat us in the playoffs to get promoted. Was it Airdrie? I think it was. Um, but that that was that was kind of like I wouldn't say downfall, but I, I learned a lot from that. Um, and then again, things off the pitch, family family situations got a wee bit tough, etc. Um, so I kind of fell away from that when Michael Neal offered me in for the, the previous season, and I was just kind of like in, in that kind of limbo way. You're always trying to fist it. Try and get full time. Try and get full time, but the, the, sometimes the, the doors just not opening, you know. Did you have a job at the time, Emma, uh, mm-hmm. uh, regarding because you'd went part time at Breakin? So all I had was the Breakin money. Uh, my dad like kept pushing me for a job, but like when you put that much in, like you don't really know. Like when when I came out of football at that that young, like, I, I I didn't know anything else, you know. Like I was just mumping about. Like, I didn't have any like. Like amb- ambitions to go and be anything else or whatever, you just think mm-hmm. it hits like a big door shutting sh- shutting in your face, and like you really, really, really don't know don't know anything. You're sitting in your room, you're just waiting for your Tuesday and Thursday night time, and your mum and dad are saying, "Come on, son, you might need to do this, you need to do that." My dad was trying to line up with jobs, etc. And like I was going, but as I said, the mentality in my head was still, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a did, football player." Did you but, still did you still go to the gym? Did you? I know you're mentioning Tuesday and Thursday, which is the kind of normal part-time nights for 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 uh, obviously part-time players. Did you go to the gym out with that, or had you lost a wee bit of interest at that point? At so at that point, I completely lost interest. I was never really a big man for the gym. Or I was always kind of naturally fit. I liked running, etc. But like that's that that's like a big key factor in it. Like I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that mature mentality to say to myself, no, I know what, I'm going to go and do this, I'm going to go and prove them wrong. It was just a case of like, oh, I need to get a club just to be back mm-hmm. in the game and play football and try and try and get that the opportunity, try and be that guy kind of blends in where I wasn't, at that time I was, wasn't like a big strong character, I wasn't going to say, no, I want this, I'm going to do this. I was kind of like maybe maybe still sulking, etc. and still maybe feeling sorry for myself and just didn't have didn't have that ambition or didn't have that I, I wouldn't say ambition I, I, I think it was just the fact that it was like again that big door shut in your face and you just I didn't I didn't really know any other way and I was I was probably more or less still sulking you know like just like what would I, I do now probably feel sorry for myself listen you're speaking to somebody get released three or four times I know exactly what like it was uh, the biggest club I get released from was Dundee uh, but you always always felt that you needed to prove that they were wrong uh, and that was the attitude uh, and to try and bounce back but there's only so many hits you can take you know and, and reality sets in you're saying all the right things you know the you know, in your mind, you were still a full-time player, and you go to break and hoping it works out well, and then you step back up. The usual thing, uh, one step back to for to have two steps forward again. All these, uh, every manager will tell you, part-time, come and join us because you need to step back the way you come two steps forward. I mean, they'll all say that, but at the end of the day, it's very, very difficult. And you've mentioned that that the kind of mature the mental side of it is trying to cope with the disappointments that you suffer in the game uh, and there's a number of young guys especially that just I feel sorry for them because they can't cope with that side of it they don't get guidance uh, the amount of players that have been released from the so-called bigger clubs that will not get a club this particular season it's a shame it's a shame it's, it, it, it's, it's devastating it's also something 
when I look back my life now, it's also something at the time I didn't realise how much it was also affecting me. But now, now that the, 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 it's also cliche to say when you're you're much more mature, you know exactly what's going on, life, etc. You know what life's all about. You actually sit back sometimes and realise how much that actually really did affect me because, as I was saying, he's like I was just mumping about, sulking about, and then as I said, like, even um, Michael O'Neill, who absolutely who I could not say a higher, couldn't praise this man higher. What a what a fantastic guy. What a guy to give me opportunities. He wanted to bring me back, and again, and actually says no. And I know he was going to Shamrock. I know. He, mm-hmm. he, he was going over, he was going back home. So I was kind of thinking, he's not going to be here. And I just knew that now, isn't he going to be moving out of the island or whatever else? And I'd actually took the opportunity going to Stenhouse Muir because, like um, Scott Ferguson, etc., up at Ross County, he played at Breakin, John Hillcoat, etc. They all went to Campbell Money, Stenhouse Muir team. And they mm-hmm. said to me, Matty, come to Stenhouse, come to Stenhouse. And I, I ended up going to a deal, I ended up going to do a deal with Stenhouse. And I went there. But then I went there not as a, a, a decent player from Beacon. I just went there like a, a squad fella. And I was like, mm-hmm. what is what is going on here? And I was just like, that time I had, my dad had actually got made redundant from the cleansing. Um, the cleansing. So he lost his job. My mum really didn't work. She had arthritis for her body. So she she she, 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 she never worked with that. My dad actually um, funded the house. Um, and then that time I wasn't bringing any. Could imagine I could imagine a Stenhouse in your wage uh, wage back there. It wasn't. <laughs> I didn't think I could buy. Um, I didn't think I could fill my car up with petrol. Um, so so I, I was there. And I, it, it was John Coughlin. It ended up becoming a manager in January. I just said, look, I've got a year here. This is this is not working out. Um, I need to go home. And I was just like looking at my home, looking looking back home, where, where I was from. I mean, we we had nothing. My dad had just been made redundant. He's having to dip into his pension to keep all us going. There was there was also a lot of stress in the house, etc. Try to try to keep try to keep everything try to keep like try to try to live a normal life and try to be happy. So it wasn't listen. We 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 always did the best we can. We had a laughing joke, etc. But deep down, I could only imagine now what 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 my mum and dad actually felt at that point. You know, and like I wasn't in a secure position. I was I was just like released, trying to find my way. What do I do? Do I go and try and work? So I'm trying to go to job centres. I'm trying to go to. Um, classy etc just nothing nothing was working you know I was always always saw myself as someday someday should I shouldn't be doing that I, I was always seeing myself as someday a bit higher someday a bit higher and you get you that's when I kind of that's when I kind of lost my way and honestly what, what happened happened um, and again it was just it was just it was probably a build up of things but that's basically the, the, the route I ended up leading to um, and I take full responsibility of that and I've, I've stupid naive things but that's what then starts the process, and that's what really hit me. Says no, this is it's time to change. And that, after that, that's when my mentality and attitude completely changed. Because I always knew that I looked back, and I actually sat and I looked at the players who were playing, etc. And I used to always say, like, I'm actually I'm better than him. I was better than him. I was better than him. I strongly, I did genuinely strong, strongly believe that. You said you kind of things happened off the pitch. Tell us a bit more about that and. And without dwelling, obviously, on the past and things like that, but and 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 maybe link it into more with about the way you are today and how it, it kind of, I guess, it made you grow up and made you appreciate things and, and maybe changed your whole life as much as it maybe wasn't the right thing to do at the time, you channeled it the right way eventually? Well, also, also look, look, looking back then and just sitting, I actually had, had a crossroad. I had a sat, after, after it all, I had a sit down with my dad and I, he basically just said, right, enough's enough. He said, you need to go and you need to rebuild. He said, I still think... I watched these, he actually said to me, I watch these games. My dad loved football as well. He said, I watch, I watch these games and I'm telling you right now, you cannot tell me that some of these players are a better player than you. You cannot fucking tell me. That's what he says to me. You cannot tell me that some of these players are a better player than you. Go and try it. And it was actually, 
it was actually, I played fives and sevens, etc. with the boys, which Scotty and Aldo played, it was actually Alan Holdsworth who stuck his neck out in the line, and Alan Holdsworth um, sent a few texts out to a few clubs, he said, right Matty, um, what about Annan, would you go down to Annan, whatever, I said, I'll, I'll go anywhere, I would generally go anywhere, and it turned out that John Joyce was, a, was the assistant manager at Annan Athletic, and John Joyce was my um, boys club uh, boys club coach, him and Alan Boyd, uh, when I was a, a, a young, young kid, um, who actually had a deal on the table at Rangers for me. So even like even even simple things like that, like regret, right? like that's a big regret. And my dad used to always wind me up. He used to, he used to actually say, "When you were a shite dad, great and done you anything, still you got to Rangers." And just that things like that used, used to play my mind. It was it'd be like it just be like um, like you're, you're sitting there now and like you're you're looking at players. I'm sitting up at Dundee United doing about ninety quid a week. Couldn't even get my train my train player back up. You're staying in digs. We 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 a woman who probably like well we a family like you're, you're trying to mix your you're probably in the wrong environment when you're looking at the boys on 350, 400 quid a week at Rangers, and I'm like, they just need daft things that play in your mind. Like, what, like that could have been, I could, I could have had that, but no, I made the wrong decision, um, or, or I thought it was a right decision, but just bad things happen, you know. But what happened off the pitch? You can go into it, perhaps if if, if you'd like to, just to just to explain to some of the some of the listeners who aren't aware, or just touch on it, but. Coming out the other end, did you feel like people didn't want to go near you to begin with? You know, because of of what was associated with you at the time, and did it take time to? Obviously, you said John Joyce was a was a great contact and a great yeah. supporter, but did it take time to basically, you know, prove prove to people that you 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 weren't that guy? Yeah, so absolutely. So I think anybody that's in my circle knows knows who I, knows who I am, knows exactly what happened. But anybody reading something, they're, and they're just going to get you that. They're just going to pre, they're just going to judge you. So football's getting that business sense where you're you're, you're a bloody animal. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you've got your if your family's like labelled with something bad like that, then you just you just become that person. They don't even know the, the full story. They never will. And there's sometimes there's no point in, in, in explaining that. But it was very difficult. Yes, and as I said, there it was Alan Holdsworth that stuck his neck out of line from me and, and sent a few texts out and. Basically got the contact to go down to Annan, which has also changed my, my life. We've come back with Joyce and Jim Chapman. Just how much did that benefit you, that spell down there, and, and just to get your your career back on track, but your life back on track as well, and, and to give you that confidence back and, and to, to go again, I suppose? Uh, John Joyce fought me. I, I, I went and met him. He's uh, like, right, what's happened? You need to just get your, you need to get yourself playing. You get yourself playing. And he, he always knew about my ability. You get yourself playing, you will get another wee couple of moves that will benefit you, and you'll get your. And the main thing is you'll get your life back track. Once you once you start being happy again, that's when you'll be able to start. Um, other doors, etc. Um, other doors, etc. Will actually start to open up for you. Um, and the basic that's exactly what happened. I mean, I was driving down. said, right, come down, see how you like it. Let's see what the manager thinks of you, um, and we'll go for there. So I think I went down one Tuesday, um, and I trained, etc. I was I was good and Jim Chapman goes that I'll sign you right now. I want to sign you right now. And he said, like, what, what are you looking for? And I genuinely goes at him, I'm not looking for anything. And it was actually Jim Chapman that says, No, no, I'm giving you XYZ. You come here and basically the rest is history, you know. I was there for three season and, and by the way, for a small club, you probably know as well, Stuart, like what a club it is. It's a great wee it's a great wee club, great wee community club. Um uh, uh, big Henry was chairman, etc. who was there mm-hmm. at the start was uh, Henry McClendon, like, like, another great guy. Like, mm-hmm. Exactly. And for these these guys to be in the position that they were, like I don't know, like some people could turn their nose down. I said, no, 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 we're not saying him. But these guys, for every every opportunity I've got, there's always been somebody at the other end for it who's also stuck up for me or put their nose in the line for me, you know. So I'll never forget that. And that's even, that echoes right through, you know. 
I think that's what what you want, Matt, is someone to 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 trust you, to have the support. You know, I'm just amazed that Chappie recognised your ability there in a the training session. Uh, but <coughs> Chappie, to let you understand, uh, I went to school with Chappie, uh, <laughs> and we played at Dumbarton together. Uh, so Chappie, I know he's very very close to Gareth, so I better watch what I'm saying. But Chappie's a good lad. And very underestimated in the game, to be honest. Everybody. Uh, aye, no, he, he, I mean, he hadn't a great spell at Clyde, but then again, quite a few has had a great spell at Clyde. Uh, but he won a championship at Dumbarton, which nobody can take take away from him. Uh, a very, very good coach, highly thought in in SFA circles, and really, really pleased that he's doing well overseas and. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully he's getting appreciated a wee bit more there than what he certainly did in this country. I think he's, he's he, I'm touching on what you said there as a coach. He's a, he's actually an unbelievable speaker, and as a person that like, he's got time for everybody, and he's a he's a great guy, a fantastic oh, I had guy. To, I had to listen to him for about five years, so I. I <laughs> Well, we, uh, we we listened to him for an hour and a half last week, and even that was edited on the uh, on episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, after Annan, you you mentioned earlier you went to Clyde, Matt. Tell us a bit more about that. Also progressing from Annan when I started the first season, Annan and progressing the second season. Then I came a senior player, and then like getting really getting decent money at Annan, and then becoming in that last season. Also had a very successful season. Um, I think I scored like 20 odd goals for midfield in no competitions we had a good strike force with big spoons up top and it was the most bizarre season as well because we actually finished fifth or I think it was on goal difference whatever and we lost in a playoff spot and we were actually probably favourites to actually win the league <laughs> at the turn of Christmas but we had lost like big spoons here, Blackie we'd lost three centre-halves and then we just went we actually went a good cup run that probably uh, didn't benefit us in the league because we were like three games behind and then we started chasing the league so I think that's how it felt back then but then um, also get Barry Ferguson approaches um, and also dang with the carrot about going to Clyde and I had a few offers from upper leagues as well I had a few teams willing to take an opportunity as upper leagues as well but when I spoke to Barry Ferguson and the way and the way they were the direction he was wanting to take Clyde and also they were just out and they were just missing out the playoffs the year before etc going to go for it again a good investment in the club it was it was a good deal for me financially and it felt like a deal. Also my dad being from Glasgow, etc. I always knew how big a club Clyde were. And like no matter what we say about Clyde, I, I know upstairs we, we all I'm I'm as just as bad as anybody about the upstairs of Clyde and something that I rabble on every single time the director's there, etc. But um I think Clyde as a club is like probably the closest thing down the league to like probably a full time environment and especially with Fergie was there. I actually did generally feel like you're walking into a full-time club every Tuesday and the professionals, it was fantastic. I, I think it's worth pointing out, Matt, to be honest, that Clyde nowadays are totally different, you know, talking yeah. about upstairs. I think it's only fair, because I've mentioned my spell there, which was 10 years ago. Uh, they are totally different now. Uh, they're totally different how they run. I think they've got, as I said earlier, top-class management team and Danny Lennon and Alan Moore. So uh, I, I was fortunate enough to play nearly 100 games for Clyde as a player. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I had huge disappointment uh, when I went there as manager when things didn't work out. Uh, but I think they are a different club now and, and good luck to them. But it's also worth pointing out, I scouted you when you were at Annan. 
<laughs> I was at Dumbarton as head of recruitment. Uh, Aldo, his agent, obviously was on the phone every hour telling me how good a player he had at Annan. It's amazing because every player he's got is top quality, you know. So, but but again, I respect his opinion. I came and watched you, Matt, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I came and watched you against Clyde in a midweek match. Did you know get sent off? Oh, right. Okay. I I think you got I think you got a red card. To be honest, am I wrong there? I got something known to be wrong, to be honest. Uh, if, if it was against, I think it was against a bro. Was it a cup game? Because I did get sent off at home in a cup I, game. But I also watched you midweek playing for Annan at Clyde at Broadwood. I scored that game. You did score for a bit. It was quite a goal, right enough. It was good. It was good. But we got beaten that game. You I'm did. Aye, aye. J.P. McGovern scored that volley or something off the bar. Right, it's okay. quite, it's quite tight. It's quite tight. Good that you don't remember these things, you know what I mean. <laughs> exactly. uh, but uh, again, it's worth pointing out when you're kind of scouting someone. Uh, I could tell that you had ability. There's no doubt. So, again, going back to uh, past misdemeanour, we'll say that didn't come into the equation because you'd moved on from there. You'd went and established yourself at Annan, so that doesn't enter the mind. To be honest, that uh, the biggest factor is whether you're better than what they've got at the club. And again, it's just a judgment call, just as you're talking about Brewster coming in at Dundee United. It's only one man's opinion, you know, but but there was no doubts then that, that you had ability. And I remember speaking to Aldo again about you and, and Aldo said, oh, he's got a good offer from Clyde. And to be fair, at that time, it was a good move for you. It, it was an upgrade with all due respect to Annan. It was an upgrade. You were getting played. Uh, you were playing under Barry Ferguson. You were playing in uh, what, what I would call the central region. You know, it's easier to get a move with all due respect from Clyde than it is from Annan. There are more scouts who come to, 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 to North Lanarkshire uh, and playing in a good stadium and such like so I honestly thought that was a good move for you and, and I know you did well there uh, obviously well enough that Barry wanted to take you two or three years later you know to Kelty it was, it, was, it was an amazing time to get that opportunity then to sign in Central and moving back home was a bit better financially it was a really good it was a really good offer from Clyde it was going to help me out and push me in the right direction in my life at that point um, but again it was just I didn't know it was going to be two of the hardest years I was ever actually going to have in football and probably actually more or less in my life um, also basically with, with what happened um, I mean going in there like the, the gaffer took his away to jails etc the players he had in saying like Pizzo who was still top form Dylan Easton um, John Loudon etc and they already there you had like Scott McLaughlin like, all really really good players and mm-hmm. you, could, you could see the shape that the, the gaffer was trying to do and again, we, we started and we, we, we start, we start, people forget about that season that like we started really, really well. And even when we had a wee dip, like even at Christmas, we played Forfa, who also won the league at Christmas. And we were beating them 3-2 and we lost two late goals, two silly late goals. And that, and, and if we win that game, we're going to be two points off of off, uh, Forfa at the top of the table to progress. But after that, we just summited. But before that, we lost Dylan Easton, Jordan Loudon. Um, and then myself, I actually got injured in the second league game of the season. It was so frustrating all the way through. Um, I had actually done my, my, done my groin against um, Stirling Albion. But 
I'd never done anything like that before. It was a kind of awkward injury, and basically I trickled through and tried to play through it all the way all the way through. And I think in about the seventh, eighth game of the season, I actually had to see the gaff gaff in to step out, so the gaff was putting him on the bench. So I was another man down from him. Um, and again, we stretched it out, try to like try to just rest at training recoveries, um, not training a Thursday to play on the Saturday, try to get just dribbles of the game out me and just like maybe bring us on for the last twenty, last thirty. Um, and then what happened happened to the gaffer the gaffer also had enough he, he didn't have a squad and I'm, I don't know if he had some arguments with the board to maybe try and get some replacements in um, but again like I don't really think Barry Fells are through there I just thought it was a very unlucky season for him because three of his main signings were actually injured um, and then rolling into the second season um, Jim Chapman also gets a job um, so again I'm thinking it's going to be great but at the same time I had this injury hanging over me I'd, spoke to, I'd spoken to the club the club were kind of in limbo at the time um, nobody really knew what it was I did have a few specialists etc in to see, to see exactly what happened um, and then the kind of nightmare started from there so Chappie had me and said Matty look just see how just see how it stretches out rest it over just come back in first day pre-season and we'll go from there um, but then we came in um, I was just trying to get through it the pain was just the pain was just uncanny I played the first three Three league games we were kind of hot and cold. We actually played really, we actually played well, but again, I just had this hindrance hanging over me with this groin pain. And the good thing is, the, the, the hard thing about it is, like when you go down at Clyde, they've got that wee atmosphere, you've got the fans, etc. And they, I had a good rapport with them. I, I really like the Clyde fans, I like me, they took I had well. a good rapport as well, Matt, right enough. It was <laughs> Miller Getty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I actually had a good player. And like, as a player, you're never going to go up to them and say, oh, by the way, I'm injured, I'm trying to play for an injury. It's not, it's not what you're going to do, but that's, that was what was holding me back. And it turned out, um, um, after the, after those first three league games where I was, where I was also toiling, that's when my, da- my dad was also diagnosed with um, cancer, lung cancer right through his body. And it was basically started. It was basically started from a back pain. Went to the hospital within days or whatever he was saying, like he's got days to live. And then basically, also I came away from football at the time, tried to support my dad. My dad also passed away on the twenty third August. Um, and I came back um, a few weeks later, etc. Just and he was only fifty nine. Came back a few weeks later. Club etc. Also all fantastic with me. Um, I played in a reserve game, and again after that reserve game, I said to Chappie, I said, look, Chappie, I, I genuinely cannot move my leg. I can't move my leg. And then I had a wee bit of debates with the club, etc., on how we're going to get this sorted out. They wanted to do it their way. I kind of wanted to do things my way. But it turned out I had to, I had to, I had to go and basically listen to the club. The club wanted to send me to Ross Hall. They had a specialist in place. And if they wanted to do it their way, then who was that to say anything? So I went down to Ross Hall, got a scan with Sanjeev Patel, etc. And it turned out that basically he said I needed a, a hip operation. And I'd never felt anything wrong with my hip at all. And I was like, I, 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 really, I don't really know this, this actually what's going on here. I've never had a problem with hip at all. Long story short, it turned out that I need a, a full groin repair, um, which I ended up sorting out myself um, with the help of Daniel N, etc. When he came in, when he came in, he actually took he actually took grass with it because they were trying to charge the club ten thousand pound. So who's going to who's really going to pay? Who's at Russell Hospital? Who's going to pay ten thousand pound when your contract's up in the summer? So I can completely understand that from my club's point of view, but my point of view was this has happened from my, my second league game. I've played through a full year for this. I've been telling you it's been wrong, but my stance was, listen, I, I understand you're only going to fork out £10,000 for an operation. I don't even think this is a £10,000 operation. I've never had a problem with it at all. Um, so I ended up looking at things out with, out with the club. 
um, and I've just basically reported back to Danny Lennon and said, look, this is the options I've got. Um, and all the players, Danny Lennon got his squad together that, at that point. They were winning games. And he said to me, Matthew, go and get, go and see what it was. I went down to, I went down to um, Professor Ernest Childers down south. He then he then gave me the opportunity and said to me, look, it's actually a ground repair. You need your grounds hanging off the bone because you've played through it. And uh, I said to him, well, right, cars the table, what's, what's it going to cost me? And he said, and I said, this is what I've been quoted and my club are going to help me with that. And he managed to do the operation for £3,000. He said he would do it for 3200 whatever it was. So I was like, oh, that's a big change. So I came back. Now, I've not kicked the ball all season for Clyde. So I've come back. I've said that to Danny Lennon. And Danny Lennon was honestly like unbelievable with it. He's like, right, if that's what it's going to be, this has dragged it long enough. We need to do it. So Danny Lennon spoke to the board and that for me and said what it was going to do. But the board's stance was still... Like they couldn't pay it as as you were saying like there, there was no money there and I'm, I'm, I think Clyde, Clyde are an ambitious club and I think I was just under that catch where my contract was up it's an investment in a player it's probably not going it's going to take a while to recover um, so it wasn't really worth an investment to me also it hurts me etc but I kind of understand from a business point of view like there's, there is nothing I can really do there um, but Daniel Lennon got all the players together all the players got together as well said no we can't we can't have this anymore so they were winning games and Danny Lennon and the players put their, their win bonuses together and that's what paid for the operation right? so I, I think I paid personally about £1,000 in the club in the, the, wow. the, no, not the club Danny Lennon the Magic team and the players paid the rest of £2,300 whatever it was and I paid the rest of it so how, how did they uh, how did they break that news to you and how did that make you feel I mean it, it, it kind of I guess it shows how highly regarded as a guy in that dressing room did they, well, they went for that as well I was also taken back a bit from it and like all the players also David Goodwill was there Ali Love was there boys I've also played with before Mark McNiff from Clyde so they also got together and they could see me just coming in every day and I was just like very down they're coming in all the boys are getting training I'm just going to a wee kind of dungy gym myself try to do a bit of weight it's just like basically doing nothing my leg was killing me and I'm just like sitting there feeling useless you know you're just showing up and that's, that's a mental challenge in itself you know like all the, you, you, you play part time you don't play part time for to make mega money you play part time because you love you love football. That's that's basically what it is, isn't it? You, that's that's why you play part time football. And to be injured at a part time club, especially you've not got the best of facilities. And Clyde did have the best of facilities, but even at that, you're like what like it was the most daunting thing and horrible thing to go through ever. And I think it just took its time on the players and the management and Daniel and also sorting it out. But then getting the killer blow was also getting having to wait till March to actually get the operation was was uh, not sorry February to actually get the operation was a killer and then another big blow happens where I actually lost my mum on the December it's, it was just crazy 58 year old and I was writing Christmas present with her the day before and then the news that she'd passed away the, the, the day after was just another another killer blow so again coming away from football again coming back getting an operation coming back and just like trying to work through I think I managed to end up training the, the, um, the last few sessions at the end of the seasons at the end of that season eh, under Danny Lennon but again the club the, the, I would say the management team was just absolutely fantastic with me but there was just nothing else I could really do there t- t- Tell us about your uh, you mentioned your old man first of all I mean it sounded quite rapid and if, if I understood you rightly that from when he was diagnosed to when he actually sadly passed away it sounded like it was a, a, a very quick thing so basically, um, we went, I went to the fort, my mum and dad, we went out to get something to eat, uh, and we had a wedding that weekend, my dad just kept on going on about, my, my back's killing me, my back's killing me, 
And I was like, you need to go and see about that. And I could see he'd lost a lot of weight in his face. But he'd just been recovering from throat cancer. Um, so just thought he was kind of up and down with that. But he was, he was actually fine with that. He got the all clear, etc. And he just kept going on about this pain in his back. And the doctor had actually said, look, come back and see me um, in a month's time. We gave him this date. I can't remember what it was. What it was. It was like September or something like that, whatever it was. Um, and we'll, we'll check it out. It could be a chest infection, etc. But he kept on going on about this pain. I just said to my mum, look, make sure you get into the hospital. He has to go and see about this. And uh, he, my dad was old school. No, I'm not going. I'm fine. I'm brand new. I'm brand new. Um, and my mum actually said, no, you're gone. So she phoned him an ambulance on the Monday. And then on the Monday night, I was like, you still, I'd finished my work, etc. And I was saying, are you still in the hospital? And my mum was like, aye, son, aye, son. And then the next day, sorry, later on that night, about 11 o'clock, my mum fought me and gave me the news that it was um, lung cancer and the, the cancer was that advanced that it travelled right through his body. And then it was just like the most bizarre thing ever. We're all going up to the hospital, trying to find out what's going on. And it wasn't even until like a week later, we was in there, like, if there was any like progress, is there something we could do? having to wait and a specialist come and it was like I, I'd, I'm going to say about maybe 10 to 12 days before actually somebody sat me and my sister down and says look there's there's nothing you're going to do and we are sitting like is it weeks and what, what, what's happening how, how long is this going to be is that days and you're like what it was just it was just the most again you can't it's, you can't really talk about it it's like there's nothing you can really explain it's just like the most craziest thing you could ever imagine and like we're, we're, we're sitting up there and like Travelling down from games, seeing my dad and just knowing that he's got no option. And I did I actually wanted them not to tell him, but they had to also tell him. And then it was just basically coming out of the hospital. They had set up everything in the house and then within days, two, three days, whatever it was. The day, it was actually the day I went over from my work um, because I would go and sit with him and he was that old school, go, get to your work, get to your work. But he couldn't speak. And it was a day when Rooney retired from England. Um, I was sitting in the living room with him, just watching Sky News, trying to try to get him to go, what do you think? Do you think they're going to win the earth like, through curtains, etc.? I just try to do things with him. And I actually went and I actually went to pick my, my wife up who got the train through and Scott Allen had been sitting with my dad and um, I'd come back through and I just came in and like me, Scott and my wife are just sitting over him and then two of us, two hours later that was him away. Just right. the surreal thing, the most surreal experience that like, you, you ever go through in your life. And then with everything over as well, like you're not playing football, you're worried about you're, you've got an injury, you don't know if a club's going to help you out. You're just it was just the, the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. He sounded, I mean, you mentioned how how he'd be having the banter with you about why you didn't join Rangers. He'd be he was the guy who was one of the people who was there when you were trying to rebuild your career. It's it's probably an obvious it's an obvious question, an obvious statement, but the two of you football wise you know, relationship-wise, really, really close. And then he was a big part of you in terms of your football. He was just amazing, just like any other dad with our boys. Like they would, he would, he would like, I don't know, probably tap his pals to take me around all, to take me and travel here, to take me into this football club, driving everywhere to go and watch on a Saturday. Just the, the, the usual dad stories. And the fact that I made, I did make him proud again, the fact that when you do get your life back on and even like scoring that amount of goals at Annan, he loved he loved the fact because Annan was a fair bit away, so trying to drive down there, he was more proud. He loved sitting in the Saturday, having a pint with his friends, and then like seeing his boy coming up in Sky Sports, and that must that he said he said that made him the proudest. Like, even like scoring against his mother with um, Hamilton, Hamilton Athlete, etc. Like watching the pub with his friends and Jeff Sterling on. He said he said that made him the proudest ever because you could sit with the boys and have a good pint, etc. And see see that I was actually back and achieving things again in football, you know, and then getting even getting back with Barry Ferguson and Moose to Clyde, etc. It was just it was just fantastic. With, with that that obviously tragic news and then the the, the, the hammer blow tragic news with, with your mum passing away as well. You know, you're dealing with your injury. 
you think that's the side of football that fans they don't see it and because they don't see it they can't kind of quite quantify it and, and put things into perspective when they see you out in the park and maybe you don't have the best of games but it's not just about what you've done in training that week or that 90 minutes there's a whole host of other things you're a human being and there's other things going on around about you it's also the bit that, that hardly anybody sees especially fans because they, they only see you as a footballer and they're only judging you what you're actually doing on that 90 minutes they don't see um, everything else that goes on or what actually happened off the pitch and especially with injuries injuries are the the, the hardest things to go over especially when it's I, don't, I hate saying it because you, you also get players who get a, in my opinion get a cast in they're out for six weeks but see when you actually get guys who would play through anything but when they get a nasty injury they're the ones actually getting pelted or they would actually play through it and you just hinder yourself Did all that then contribute to you actually then leaving Clyde? So yeah so, so also that happened with my mum um, and I had, I, had a, I had a couple of conversations with Danny Lennon and Danny Lennon invited me back he invited me back but I was actually getting married that summer I was getting married in 2018 and I said, look, Danny, I said, I'll be honest, I says, he says, look, well, we, we can't go and offer you the money you were on. I was on a really good contract there and they'd stripped everything back. And and I was and I knew myself, I needed games. I've, I've been out for, it was middle of two seasons I was out for. And I just said, look, I'm just going to take a step back. I'm going to go, I'm going to get married. I'm going to go on my honeymoon for two weeks. And that's just exactly what I needed. So I also got married in the summer. I went on honeymoon for two weeks and I just kind of let everything go behind me. and just kind of relaxed a bit as best as I could. And then the, um, the opportunity, I just left the, the door open for anybody that would maybe take a wee gamble on me. In fact, I didn't even know if I was going to get a gamble again or if I was going to get a chance again to, to play again, you know. But uh, the opportunity came up with Scott, our own friend from Clyde, Scott McLaughlin, gave me a phone and said, right, do you fancy coming to Edisport? I'm coming down to Edisport. You need games. You're going to come down here and you play. Uh, and it's a decent opportunity. And that's why I went, I went to that, because I knew that I needed, I needed games of football and I, and I had to enjoy football again, you know. Yeah, in, in much the same way that kind of Annan allowed you almost like a chance to recuperate and rebuild, was 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 Edu Sport a similar thing? Because mentally you must have been shattered by everything that had gone on. Well, it still haunts me today. You know, it's it's, it's like I've never ever got over it. But I just knew that it wasn't about going and it wasn't about getting back into football. And like I had I had a decent job. It was it was it was about actually this was when it was just about enjoying playing football again, enjoying being around the boys again actually just try trying to just everything was just about trying to enjoy football again and getting out with the boys basically that's that's what it was all about that was the most important thing to me so it was again it was just like a kind of rebuild again after the injury and uh, unfortunate circumstances you know and edu, edu sport i mean we had uh, chris ewing their owner on on uh, the podcast a few weeks ago obviously a club that does things differently to Pretty much any other club in Scotland, maybe maybe in the UK right now. How, how did you find all of that, and, and we'll bring Stuart in as well afterwards to sort of about you know the differences that the, the club's kind of using to kind of move its way up the leagues. So basically, Scott uh, Scott and McGottam gave me a call, um, and then I went in and I, and I met the manager, etc. And, and I, 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 I listened, I listened to everything, and Ricky Ward was telling us what they're going to do. We do things a bit different. Basically, gave me the whole spiel of basically what it was, and I think I. Kind of looked at it as if like okay, I'm going to be um, one of the mature ones here. I'm trying to help the young boys come through and and, and see, see if I can maybe start dabbling a bit that way, where I can maybe like actually help and advance these players. Um, we have a bit with my, with my my knowledge and my, with my 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 background and what I've got. 
Um, but then again, I, I went there and he turned me into the striker that I am today. <laughs> so, so, so basically, I went there and I, I went there like basically try to get my fitness back because I was also missing a lot, a lot of fitness. I hadn't played like really in about eight months or whatever it was, like or maybe more longer than that. Um, so it was basically just going back and you know, get my fitness back up and I, and, I, and I did struggle the first few sessions I struggled I thought oh my god I'm a mile off this thank god I'd already seen because he'd have sent me back up the road <laughs> so <laughs> so he was done in that base that was what was the rest I, I played there for a season and I absolutely loved it it's great what, what, what do you think what do you think of the Edu Sport or the Caledonian Braves as they're now called Stuart you know they, they've got the fans uh, voting through the app and things like that. Is it is it a system you think can work? Is it quite good to see something different in Scottish football? I think it's good to see something different, Gareth. I think they're trying something out, outside the box. You know, I also know they're very professional with Ricky Waddle in charge. Ricky's a very good coach. He was one of my players at Clyde. One of the ones that got me the sack, actually. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but Ricky's a very good coach. He's been at Rangers, and we actually took their assistant manager, Colin Cameron, last season from them. Uh, Colin's now left Airdrie, right enough, but but Colin was an excellent coach with us, and so they're trying things differently. Yes, very very difficult to compete against the Kelties. Uh, the Bonnie Riggs, uh, the East Kilbrides, uh, East Stirlings of this world. Uh, I think they're probably just a wee bit outside the top bracket of the Lowland League. But again, that'll not stop Ricky trying to be as professional as they can be. Uh, I like their setup. Uh, I know Chris Ewing, obviously, from, from again from my junior days as manager at Cumbernauld. Chris was there, uh, a businessman who has been trying to make his way in the game and, and did very well, uh, not just for Caledonian Braves, but for the local community there. They've got a lovely setup, a lovely stadium. Uh, all credit to them, good luck to them, but very, very difficult, as I said, when you're up against the Celties and the East Kilbrides of this world. Did, did you find that, Matt? I mean, and was that what, part of the reason you went on to, you know, on to East Stirling after that? Yeah, I stay in Larbert now. Um, and the fact that Edu Sport was was down there, but I still knew the progression of them. And if I wanted to start getting moving up the leagues again and try and get back to a, a better stature, I knew I had to try and get some something a bit a bit more local, etc. I knew it was going to be investment going into the Shire, and I'd already had a couple of conversations with Derek Ewer, um, who was who was who was also taking that job, etc. Beforehand, so I kind of knew that what what direction Shire would want to go in um, and what was going to be available to them for next season and plus I, I stay in Labbert so I'm local there and I thought the, the closer at home you can get I think it's a bit better especially when you get to my age you've got a kid now I'm working locally as well um, so if I could keep everything in this area it'd be, it'd be quite good and Shire again coming in with great ambitions as well like signing great players and producing a great squad and, and, and going there was it was again like, like it was like going into one of the top tier teams again so I had, I had to take that move and I think playing at Falkirk Stadium as well makes a difference Mark it, it just, it, it's just when you're playing part time and you're playing down the lower leagues it's like all those wee niches where you're playing maybe at a bigger stadium like a Clyde's got a Broadwood 
Shire play it, um, those um, at Falkirk Stadium, just all those we, just all these wee snippets that make you feel like you're playing at a, a higher level of other like dress rooms, etc. Just, mm-hmm. just wee daft things like that. If you can try and stay around the game that way, you, you, you feel as if you're playing at the highest level you can. You know, it's just, just, just I don't know, just, just, just those wee daft things just make a difference when you're doing the leagues. You've obviously moved around a fair few clubs. Are you, are you hoping to be at Kelty for? For, I don't know, well, for, certainly for a while. I mean, how, how long are you going to play on for? Are you going to play on for as long as the legs or, or keep running? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll get back. Barry Ferguson gets a Rangers job and he takes me to Rangers, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah. Well, listen, uh, listen, finishing your career at County Hearts wouldn't be the worst. I mean, it's a fantastic club. Let's see, let's, if the gaffer's there and the club's there and they want me, I'd, I'd, happily, I'd happily play there for the rest of my my, my, my few years that I've got left, but uh, I think I've still got a lot to offer. Um, and again, with the setup that Dean's got there, with the gaffer there, um, there's no reason why I, I wouldn't want to stay there for two, three, four years down the line, you know. With your with your life experiences, with your the career you've had, what what will the future hold for you after playing? I mean, would you want to stay in football? Would you even look at things you know linked into your life experiences tied into football? Have you thought about these kind of things? Obviously, as you get to this age, I was never one. I was never one for saying like when I was still playing that I want to go and do coaching. I want to do the coaching because I always thought like I didn't really want to distract myself from anything. You know, like for, for playing, even though I play solo in the league, but now I'm beginning to think like I would always. Lo- I would love to be able to do a setup with something where along the lines of what I went through the injury with the injury process. I know I've, I know I didn't touch too much in what the full background story was because I wouldn't like to discredit Clyde or anything like that because they were fantastic with me in the end, but. Like there's a there's a further story into that, and I would love to be able to help part-time players. Um, wonder if there's a setup that we could maybe do financially, where it could maybe help both the players and the clubs. I know we've got players unions, but we've not got any unions that actually helps the players and the clubs. You know, you know what I mean? We're, we're like, what, what can we do here? Is there some something we can do with funding-wise or anything like that? With like injuries, but again, it's just trying to get the the right the. Uh, the, the right task for something where you've not got, as I said to you, Roma, you've not got somebody with a calf strain needing a, needing a scan, you know what I mean, a 350 quid scan. So it's trying to get the balance of that. But I would, I would love to go, maybe look into coach, some coaching now, etc. So uh, the, the, the doors open for a lot of things and I've got a lot of things on my mind, but I try and take things step by step, you know. I think that the advice that I could give you, Matt, uh, for what it's worth is, yes, get into your coaching. Get, you know, get on that ladder. Uh, you've got you've told your story very well uh, tonight uh, again very respectful as well uh, of all the clubs you've been at and what you've been through I think you've a lot to offer football I would like to think that you're due a wee bit of luck as well along the way I think you've had some hard times uh, you've bounced back which which is magnificent uh, but Certainly, my advice is that go and get your coaching badges and get on that ladder. Uh, they, they say in football, it's all about contacts and naturally who you know. And you know, one of the mates that you, could be a Scott Allen or whatever, you know, or a David Goodwillie could get a job, and they're looking for an assistant. They're looking for a first team coach, you know. So, so go go and try and go on that ladder and, and get your badges. Uh, we always think too late, you know, and it's not until you are 32 or so that you think, well, you know, and now I should really do some. Actually, should have been when you're 22, but you tend to at that age think, oh, I've plenty of time left to do all of that. 
Aye, no, exactly. Not true. Aye, well, definitely, after you said that, if that's your advice, it is something I definitely will look into. Um, actually, I had a chat with Ricky Wardle about this as well, but I'll probably bring it up to the gaffer as well. It's something I maybe I was going to actually um, get, get a chat to him about because it is something that'd be interesting. But again, always worry. We like if, what would what would be further down the line? Is it is somebody? Is it going to be the pure business side with like sponsorships or whatever else? Or I don't. We can't dabble in hand. We can't do this, and that's what always used to put me off, you know. So like that's why I kind of hindered myself without uh-huh. going into doing anything because I always thought like I could listen. They, they've got a sponsor for X Y Z. They're not going to really want to do anything with me, you know. It's just like politics being things. You want to play as long as possible, but to get longevity in the game, you need to find a niche for yourself. And that niche could be whatever it may be in football. You know, it could it, it could be what you've went through, the, the, the mental side of it, the advice to be a part-time, full-time players, whatever it may be, you know, you want longevity. You're obviously still passionate about the game, which is great. Uh, you're very grateful to a number of people that have helped you throughout. Uh, and loyalty is a huge thing in football. So, uh, no, just uh, you, you've spoke very well. And as I said, I think you deserve a wee bit of luck. Just with what with what Matt was talking about there, with injuries and clubs not being able to treatment and these kind of things, is that something you've come across here? And, and do you think Matt's got a point there that that, that that something should be better sorted out so that you're not left? I mean, Matt was fortunate; he had a squad of boys who were willing to kind of chip in for him, but. You know, he might not have been as fortunate, or you, you know, another player might be in a dressing room where even the players can't afford to do that because they're on such a low wage. It, it's always been a concern, Gareth. To be totally honest, when I was a player, obviously many, many years ago, uh, you were always insured. You know, but but now clubs can't really afford to insure you and take unless you take out personal. I, I have a personal care plan yourself. Uh, but it, ju- it doesn't just affect the part-time players. I mean, Matt's talking about, say Matt got injured the last game of the season, you know, and his contract's up, it's not getting renewed. You know, I, I tend to think there's an obligation on the club. Uh, we had a situation with Scott Gallagher, the goalkeeper, uh, an excellent goalkeeper who did his ACL. You know, the easiest thing in the world would be for Adrianians to let Scott Gallagher go, but we had to pay the seven, eight grand, as well as all the extras that that take uh, in his rehab uh, to come back uh, and be as strong as what he was before. So I think the club's got an obligation. I remember on one occasion Ross County uh, stood by a number of players. I was chief scout up there for six years, Matt, uh, and you know, Ross County stood by the players, you know, when they get injured and if they were out of contract or even an agreement to go to a new club, you know, so it very much depends on the club. Uh, but again, as Matt will know, within football, players know what goes on at other clubs and how 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 well well received clubs are and how highly they're spoken about if they do the right thing. On the other hand, if they do the wrong thing, <laughs> you know, that goes the other way. You know, we all know uh, the mistakes and, and the clubs that have not really did what they should have done. But uh, there's not a right answer, not a wrong answer, but I certainly I certainly sympathise with, with, with all the going-ons. Just finally, Matt, uh, you mentioned earlier on when you first kind of came out of full-time football that, you weren't one for looking for a job and you just wanted to play football and but you now got yourself a career off the off the field as well. 
so that's so basically what I did now. So I worked um, in engineering with my with my friend's company. Um, I did that for two, three years, basically buying and selling engines. Um, and then when I moved, when I bought the property over in Larbert, um, my wife, who's got a salon, um, when I started looking for jobs in this area, my wife reached out to a salon. I got a huge opportunity in a major oil company. Um, and I basically went there. I got done an interview and, sm- and smashed the interview. And I've now progressed myself up there for three, four years now. So I'm actually at the top of the ladder selling premium lubricants, which is actually really good, i.e. and not lubricants as in like sexual lubricants. <laughs> uh, so it's basically your, your own premium oil brands, engine oils, hydraulic oils, etc. Um, in any sector. So it could be agriculture, it could be manufacturing, processing. Um, so it's a, a very good number. It's something that I thrive on now. You sound like maybe you've had to explain that lubricant issue a few times with the way you dropped that in. Yes, yes. But, um, I think that there's a, there's a, it's a, it's a bit of a sketchy title, especially for somebody like myself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but clearly doing very well though and enjoying the work. It's good. It's very enjoyable. Tough, just like anything, but especially with the way everything's going now. So in these situations, we just kind of pray everything's okay because no job is safe right now. Let's be let's be realistic. That's, I'm a realist now. No job is safe. Everybody's worried. Everybody's going through tough times again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. Hi, it's Martin McKinnon, Port Manager here, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. I can tell you've been waiting for this all night, Stuart. Uh, just a reminder of this week's clues. I'm looking for the year when Edinburgh City won the East of Scotland League for the first time. The BBC announced Saturday's sports show Grandstand was stopping. Steve McLaren was announced as England's new manager. And Hogmanay celebrations in Glasgow and Edinburgh were cancelled because of bad weather. Stuart, you said? Uh, 2008. And Matt, you went for? It was 2006. Steve McClellan. It was the McClellan one that helped me out, but no, 2006. Stuart's not done Paul much of a turn there, so I'm, I'm, I presume Paul will be back next week now. I, well, I apologise to Paul, because Paul's never done anybody else much of a turn in the past, so <laughs> I apologise. <laughs> Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, enjoyed the enjoyed the chat tonight and the stories and looking back over your career and obviously it's great to hear you're doing so well for yourself and and things going well. We we, we wish uh, wish you all the best for Kelty for the season as well. Hopefully you're back for you soon. Uh, well done, well done, Matt, and ho- hopefully see you a week on Saturday. I'm seeing you. I'll high five you in a touchline. <laughs> Social distance, Mark. Aye, 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 exactly. <laughs> and Stuart, uh, Stuart's been, been great having you on as a co-presenter this week. I guess well, you've got the shirt now, haven't you? Paul's got a long long way to kind of go to prove himself again now to get that shirt back, surely. Well, to be fair, all, all I'll say is I'll be warming up in the, the touchline, so you know where I am. You know, I'll just be behind the goal warming up. The phone will be on. Then the phone will be on, yeah. Don't forget you can get in touch with the show with comments or suggestions for people to speak to. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Do leave a comment which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.